Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. Uh, One of the interesting things for me is I get to meet a lot of different types of people. And about a year and a half ago, I got to meet uh, Pastor Al Stewart. He just moved into the area from Lynchburg, Virginia. That's where Liberty University is, who just happened to win their football game yesterday. and I was, if you don't know, I look small. I'm, I'm a small guy, I admit it. But I was, a, uh, I was a scout team running back at Liberty University. So I have some ties there. And uh, I, I try to keep up with them. But Al was from Liberty. He was actually a professor there. He's a pastor. He's moved into the area. And every time I'm around Al, I feel convicted that I'm not sharing my faith enough. Because he is on fire to share Jesus. He loves sharing Jesus. Um, and he is spirit-led. He, he will, on a day, get up in the morning and he'll say, whoever you want me to speak to today, wherever you send me, I'm going to go. And he's encouraged me in my life to be more mindful of the lost, the people that need to hear the gospel around me. And uh, I'm hoping that Al will be able to come by and share some things with us in the future. But he is an inspiration to remind all of us that there's only one thing that we cannot do in heaven that we can do, that, that we're missing out if we don't do it in this life. And that's sharing the gospel. We'll be able to sing praise and worship songs to God in heaven. We'll be able to learn more about God in heaven. We'll be able to experience the glory and majesty of God in heaven. We'll be able to have fellowship in heaven. But we will not be able to evangelize in heaven. We will not be able to share the good news with the lost in heaven. And so this is the one task we've been given that this is our opportunity. If we don't do it now, we will not get the opportunity to do it. And so Al is kind of that guy for me. Uh, every time I meet with Al, so we, we have a prayer time on Wednesdays together. Every time I meet with Al, he has a new story of someone coming to know Christ. Al actually at some point in his life had become a Jehovah Witness. And the Lord saved him out of that. And he has a ministry reaching out to Jehovah Witnesses. And he's a strong ambassador. He has many books that he's written. Uh, But he is on fire for the Lord. And he sees the value of every day. And if you were to meet him and hear some of his stories, you would be encouraged as well. And so my, my prayer is that we all have stories, that every week you and I have a story. Uh, of how Jesus is working in our life and how the Holy Spirit is allowing us to impact other people's lives. And uh, today is the day the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it because we are saved and set free. And so this morning, as we think about this concept of who is your one, who is the one person that God has put on your heart in your life uh, that he wants you to share the gospel with, both with your actions and with your words, who is the one person in your life that, that God wants you to reveal himself to that person to? Uh, many times it starts with how we treat that person or how we interact with that person, and then God opens the door to share the gospel. And so who is that one person in your life that God specifically put in your life to share the gospel with? That's what we want to uh, dive into today and allow the Lord to speak to us. And, and really in these moments where there's lots of challenges around us, This is the opportunity we have to shine our light brighter than ever. And so let's look to the Lord. Let's precede his word in prayer and ask him to guide us through this uh, studying of his word. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the hope that you put into our lives. We thank you that we are set free from the bondage of sin. We're thankful, Lord, that um, as we see the mess around us, uh, we see the temporary nature of this life and how all things in this life will come to an end. 
Uh, Lord, we recognize that you're eternal. Our lives are eternal in you. And Lord, we just want to be faithful as we walk through this life, as we prepare to be part of your family and your house forever. Uh, Lord, we pray that as we listen and look to your words and, your, and that you've revealed through your word, the Bible, we pray that we would understand the words, that we would comprehend them, that they would impact us and move us and guide us in our day-to-day walk in life. Lord, we pray that you'd bless this time. Thank you for all the ways you've protected us. Thank you for all the, the blessings that you've bestowed upon us. Help us, Lord, now to study your word well. In Jesus' name, amen. So the entirety of this month is obviously built on the Great Commission. That's a word we use within the church. Um, It's a a churchy word, but the commissioning is we've been given a task by God to go into the whole world to make disciples. This is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All of us, this isn't just for pastors or missionaries or Sunday school teachers. Uh, This is for everyone in this, anyone who claims to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, this is the task we've been given. This is the, as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he's with his disciples, he's giving them this instruction. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, not some, but all of it in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always uh, to the very end of the age. And this is where, as we've prayed and as the leaders of this church have gathered and we've talked, uh, we, we have made the focus of our church. The, the, the one thing you're going to hear, hopefully every time you're here, is that we want to be disciples. It starts, I have to be a disciple. I have to repent and receive the gift of, of the Holy Spirit, become a child of God, And in doing that, I become a disciple. I follow the ways of Jesus. I follow his teachings. I live the way that he instructs me to live. And so I become his disciple. So it begins with me. I need to become a disciple. And then after I have become a disciple, then I need to help others become disciples. So I need to be a disciple, and I need to make disciples. And it has to be of every generation. It can't be people that look like me, sound like me, have the same experiences, even though those are are good opportunities. It should be whoever God puts in your life. It could be a child. It could be someone that's very, uh, very close to the end of their life. It could be anyone at any place in any stage of their life that God puts you in your life. He calls you to make disciples. And part of that is teaching and training them to obey all that he has taught us, to observe the truths that he's revealed to us. And then also for them to be obedient in baptism and to have a commitment in their life and you to have a commitment in your life, and me to have a commitment in my life. And so all of this mission's emphasis that we have this month of October is built into the principle that we are to be disciples, who make disciples of all generations. That includes everyone in Port Orange, in Daytona Beach, uh, in, in New Smyrna, in Edgewater, everyone in our area. It includes everyone in the state of Florida. It includes everyone in the, in the United States of America. It includes everyone on our side of the earth. It includes everyone on the other side of the earth. And so everyone is included in this uh, commitment mission to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. I was so encouraged yesterday because I, my phone was not working hardly at all. I couldn't make calls. I couldn't send texts. It was very frustrating. Were you frustrated <laughs> the last couple of days? Power issues, uh, technical issues. You don't realize how addicted we are to the internet and to electricity and to all of the comfort creature comforts that are really only within the last hundred years available to us. 
Uh, but I did, I, every once in a while, my phone would then all of a sudden get all these texts and things that I missed. And I got an email from uh, Pastor Francis. He's the pastor in uh, Malawi, at that first Baptist Port Orange of Malawi. And he was sending me a list of how many men, how many women, how many children um, they're offering. It's so encouraging. It's less than a dollar that they receive. Because in Kawacha, it's, it's very, 300 Kawacha is nothing in U.S. dollars. But these people who have absolutely nothing are giving of themselves and are being part of the ministry. And just to read how God is moving there and that he's, he's encouraged by God how he is doing great things in the lives of, of the people and they're establishing a church. Um, they're able to get some land. They're able to move forward on some things. And so I'm excited for that. And you're a part of that. As part of this body of Christ, as, as we come together, not just your tithes and offerings, but your energy, you being here today on a day, it's easy to say, I'm not going to come to church today but you committed to be here. The stronger our commitment together, we're able to do these things that's happening on the other side of the planet. And it's exciting, it's encouraging that our mission doesn't end at the doors of this building. It's not just about a, a holy huddle or a, you know, a salt block. We're a salt shaker. We're getting out into the world and we're sharing the good news of the gospel wherever God leads us. And so that, that is our mission. The challenge is, the problem is for many of us, we don't always feel qualified to do this. Maybe you felt like, I, how am I going to share my faith? What will people think? How, how, how can I really, with all the issues i got to focus on, how could I actually share Jesus with someone? And so the challenge for all of us is that at some point, God is going to put us in a position where we have to make a decision. Are we going to share what God gives us to share? It reminds me of, of Mark chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and this is kind of the, this is where Jesus lays down what it means to be his disciple. He lays down, here's what, it's the, here's what the cost is. Here's what I'm calling you to do and to be. Mark chapter 8 verse 34 says this, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the entire world or the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And here's where I think the challenge for me and the challenge for us is, if anyone is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I can tell you in my life, I don't know your life experiences with this, many times throughout my life, um, I think of it as jumping off the deep end of the diving board. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that before. You, you kind of climb up the ladder. It looks like a great idea. Everyone seems to be having fun doing it. Um, you climb up the ladder, you get a little bit higher, and you're like, it didn't look this high when I was looking at it from further away. And then you kind of get to the end, and you can see the end of the diving board, and then all of those doubts, like, what if I fall off? What if I smash my head? What if I drowned? Uh, is this going to hurt? What if I do a belly flop and all my internal organs bust? Um, every thought in your mind, your mind begins to race, especially it's the very first time you've never done it before. It's a very scary thing. And at some point, the longer you wait to do it, the harder it's going to become. The longer you sit on the back of that diving board and say, uh-huh, I don't think I can do this. I don't think this is going to happen. 
all the what ifs, all the challenges, all the obstacles. At some point, you just got to go down there. Even if you go down there and do a little baby jump off the edge, you got to do it. And the amazing thing is, once you jump off and you get in the water, you, you ask yourself, why did, I, why did I even worry about that? That was fun and exciting. Why was I scared of that? But you know, in, in our Christian walks in our life, I think God puts these opportunities in our life to be brave and bold with someone else. And it's like being on the end of that diving board, looking at the tip. And that person's they're starting to ask questions, or they're, they're beginning to look to you and say, what do you believe? And you get nervous. What are they going to think about me? What if I say the wrong thing? What if they don't like me because I'm a believer? And we build up all these what ifs in our mind. And you know, sometimes uh, the longer we wait to interact with those opportunities, the harder it becomes for us to share the gospel with people. And my friend Al, he actually wrote a book where he said, you got to walk the plank. At some point, you just got to jump off the end of the diving board. You got to be all in. Because until that moment, God's going to give you opportunities in your life, whether it's at work, in your family, in your neighborhood, this week while people are cleaning up around you. He's going to give you opportunities to build relationships with people that don't know him. And he's going to say, I want you to talk to them about me. He's going to give you opportunities to share the gospel. And at those moments, that tension begins to build up. And it can be scary. And we can feel this way of, I'm, it's really shame. I'm ashamed to tell them. I'm afraid to tell them. I'm nervous. And Jesus is saying, look, part of following me is you got to be brave. you got to be willing to jump off the end. you got to be willing for people not to like you. I'm not saying every time you share your faith, that person's going to love you and think you're an amazing person or respect you. They may not. They may ridicule you. They may belittle you. They may think less of you because of that. And you may lose things in life. You may lose promotions. You may lose opportunities. Um, you may lose friendships. But in the end, Jesus is very clear. What, do, what are you gaining in this world without him? What is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What can you give in exchange for it? You can try to gain the whole world and have everybody like you and be respected by everyone, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. And so our challenge, our challenge when it comes to our one or the people in our life is, am I willing to take the plunge, to, to say those, those words of, what do you think about Jesus? What do you believe about death? What do you think comes after this life? Have you ever read the Bible? What do you think about the Bible? Have you ever considered what the cross means? All of these are, are conversation starters that allow us to share the gospel with people. But they are not easy. It is not easy to have this conversation. But once you begin to have these conversations, there's a thrill to it. There's a life-giving benefit of, giving, of sharing your faith. There's something I can't explain to you, that when you share your faith with someone, God blesses you in, in a new way with joy and peace and patience and stronger character, and a, and a broader vision of life. And so the, the problem we have is, are we willing to be all in? Are we willing to really dive off the diving board when it comes to sharing our faith? And so Jesus gives us the perfect example. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to John. We're going to be in John chapter 4 this morning. Give you a moment to turn. This is a little bit of a lengthy passage, but I think this is a helpful tool for us as we look to God's word to how do I do this? Listen, none of us are experts at this. None of us. Jesus, you know, is interesting. He didn't pick the wisest or smartest 
Pharisee to be his disciples. He didn't go to the temple and pick out 12 of the, the top tier Pharisees. He didn't say, who has the scholarship, who's the five-star Bible person, right? He didn't go looking for the all-star Bible knowledge person or the person that could answer all the questions or had fasted and done all these wonderful things. He went and got fishermen. He got a tax collector. He got a, a religious zealot. He actually got a political religious zealot who was uh, a little bit intense. And he put all these guys together and he said, I want you to be fishers of men. I want you to go out and share the gospel. I want you to be faithful with the testimony I give you. And so Jesus gives them an example here, and it's an example for us as we look at John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 through 42. And he left Judea and went away again to Galilee. That's verse 3. And then verse 4. And he had, he had to pass through. He had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Shikar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For the Jews do not do dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and the one who, is, who, is says, who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come here, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband, Jesus. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our father worshipped on this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither this mountain nor Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I speak to you, I who speak to you am he. At this point, the disciples came, and they were amazed. We're going to go down to verse 
uh, 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritan came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed with them two days. Many more believed because of his word. And so this morning, as we look at this interesting account of the Samaritan woman, we see some points for us as we share our faith. As you think of that one person that God has put in your life that he's called you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with. First thing I want us to recognize is that he was led by God. Jesus was led by God. We're told that he had to go to Samaria. Uh, the Samaritans were uh, completely on the other side of the spectrum of the Jews. They did not get along. Um, they had completely different views. They had uh, a respect for Moses, but that's where it ended. Um, they did not hold to the same traditions, the same perspectives, and they hated each other uh, more than actually they hated anyone else. If you remember the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus was bringing up probably the person or group of people that they hated the most um, because those were not fully Jewish and they were not fully Gentile, and that really bothered the Jews, and the Samaritans did not like the Jews. And so here he's called to a place that's unlikely. He's called to a group of people that's unlikely. He's called to a woman who's at a well at noon that should not be there. There's probably no one at this well at this time. And yet here is this woman who's Samaritan. Jesus has come there. His disciples have gone to get food. God had brought him to this place. How many things in your life has the Holy Spirit led you to that place? How many things in your life have you recognized that this is the work of the Holy Spirit? The reason I've made a relationship with this person, the reason I'm here at this time, at this place, is because the Holy Spirit has led me to this time and this place. How many times do you meet someone or talk to someone or engage with someone that you didn't intend to, but the Holy Spirit led you to that place and that time? And so Christ was faithful, and he was willing to go to the place that the Holy Spirit, God, led him to. Next, Jesus acknowledges the woman's value. His disciples would not have acknowledged her value. How do we know that he acknowledged her value? Because he asked her to do something for him that he could have done himself. He recognized her value. I think one of the challenges we have in the church today is we tend to see the sin of everyone, but we do not tend to see the value of the lost. We do not tend to look at people and say they are made in the image of God. Christ died for them that they may have eternal life. We tend to look at them and say, I wonder what sins they are committing. I wonder what type of person they really are. And this is the challenge for us as we, are, as we try to reach our one, as we try to be on mission and make disciples and be disciples, is that we must look with grace and not judgment. We must see the value of people. We must see that even the most outcast of outcasts is someone that, that Jesus died for and he wants to reach with his gospel. Jesus is demonstrating to us here that from the very beginning, he did not come in condemning her. He did not come in uh, saying how dumb or foolish she is. He did not come in and, and tell her of her sins before they had a conversation. He asked her to do something for him that he could do for himself because he was showing her value. He was showing her respect. He was, in a sense, saying, you're worthwhile of my time and my attention. 
And so as believers, we need to take his example as we engage in our conversations. Next, he allowed her to share her point of view. He allowed her to talk. If you notice, she was trying to understand who he was. She kept asking these questions. What kind of water is this? Are you greater than Jacob? Are you the Messiah? How, the Messiah is supposed to come and tell us these things. She was revealing what she understood. She was revealing her point of view. She was telling him what she thought about life, what she believed. I think one of the great things that we must recognize when we share our faith is giving people the opportunity to share what they believe. By saying it out loud, they are recognizing this is what I believe. And this allows the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to them. It gives them value. It allows them to see and hear things that they may not. I think sometimes I can be guilty and we can be guilty of telling the person what to think and believe without allowing them to come to the Holy Spirit's conviction, allowing them to interact with God. Our job is not to save. Our job is not to talk people into things. Our job is not to tell people what we know and understand. Our job is to be Holy Spirit-led and to share the gospel in the way that Christ leads us to do. And so here, he allows her to share her perspective. She's a Samaritan. All of her views, all of her perspective is built on being a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. You're a man. Uh, why are you asking me to do a favor of getting this water for you? Why are you interacting this way? He's allowing her to share her perspectives, and then he's correcting them. He's giving her uh, a bigger perspective. Notice next, he offers her something better. She shares her perspective, and he says, yes, I will give you water, but it's living water. I will give you something that's better than what you've already have. I, have. I will reveal to you that, yes, where you are, there are challenges and even uh, things that you don't quite understand. I'm here to reveal the truth to you. I'm here to show you the way. I'm here to tell you that the one that you've heard about, the Messiah, he's here talking to you. And so in our conversations, uh, I believe it's important at some point when the Holy Spirit gives us these opportunities to say that the greatest possible thing you can do in your life is know Jesus as your Savior. It's better than all the other things that you've told me about. It's better than all the other things that are options in this life. That knowing Jesus as your personal Savior is the best possible thing that could happen to you. It's the best possible thing you can do with your life. It is the thing that is why you were born. And to share that in a loving way. Because that's what Jesus said. He basically told her, look, you have your perspectives. You have your points of view. I'm telling you there's something greater than that. There's something more important than that. There's something bigger. I meet a lot of people, and they want to save the planet, or they want to save an animal, or they want to help with the economy, or all these different things. And I say there's something greater than all of those things. There's something greater than the planet. There's something greater than animals. There's something greater than the economy. It's knowing Jesus as your Savior. It's a much better deal than all those other things that you're pursuing with your life. And very, the next point I think is so important. Jesus does not get trapped in an argument. Jesus does not. Do you see that she's kind of trying to bait him? She tries to throw out these questions to get into an argument. How many, of, how many times have you gotten in an argument with someone about religious matters, about belief, about who Christ is, about the Bible? Our world and our country is all about arguing about these things. Jesus avoided the argument by always pointing to what he was about. I am the Messiah, I am living water, there is a day coming 
when all this will be absolutely revealed. He didn't get bogged down in trying to correct every little thing she was saying or to interact with anything that she was saying that was trying to build an argument. We don't need to argue. If you find yourself arguing with someone, you've gotten off the path of sharing the gospel. The gospel is never an argument. It's a seed to be planted. It's an opportunity to share something better than, than that person could ever imagine. And then finally, she responded with faith. What did Jesus do? He revealed something that he knew about her that he could not have known unless he was who he says he was. This is your personal testimony. This is the fact that Christ radically changed you. This is where you need to have a testimony. Because this is the testimony of Christ revealing that he knows everything about her. And she can't deny it. Our testimony is about what Jesus has changed in us that they cannot deny. You may not be able to figure out every issue in the person you're talking to's life, and I don't think that's all the Holy Spirit wants us to share. He wants us to share how the miracle that took place in our life, how he changed our heart, how he changed our lives, what he's done to impact us. And that is a testimony that they may not like, they may disagree with, but they cannot say is not true because it's the truth that God has revealed to you. And so here Jesus shows us that there is power in the testimony. There's power in revealing who Christ really is, his true nature. And when she hears this, this is what makes the difference. This is the thing that turns the table because we're told she goes back. And what does she say? Here's a man who knew everything about me and he claimed to be the Messiah. And I believe him. And so she revealed her faith in him. How quickly in one day. We, we talk about, you know, what do you need to know to be a believer? What needs to happen to become a believer in Jesus Christ? How does the gospel work? Well, here's a woman who, when, when revealed who Jesus is and what he had to offer for her, she recognized it, received it, and she was saved. So much so that she went back and became an evangelist to her community. She went back and many people came to know Christ because of her testimony of what Jesus has done in her life. Here's the real big issue for all of us. Who did Jesus put in your life that he expects you to share the gospel with? He didn't put anyone else on this earth to reach that person except you. He didn't put me on this earth to reach them. He didn't put someone else on this earth to reach them. He put you on this earth to reach them. And you are the one that he has created to be the testimony, to be the witness, so that they could come to know the truth. You know, this woman, she had five husbands. The man she was living with wasn't her husband, probably not well-respected in the community. But because of her challenges, because of her life situation, when they saw radical change in her life, they could not deny it. And so it's not just about the pastor. It's not just about the people that go to the church. It's about us individually. We have stories that will impact other people like no one else's story will. Your story will impact someone much different than my story will, my testimony. And so when it comes to your one, the person that God put you on here on earth to reach, he did it on purpose. He allowed you to go through all the things you've gone through. He allowed you to become the person that you are so that you could reach that person. And if you don't reach them, they will not be reached. This community was radically changed because of a, 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 not chance encounter, a purposeful encounter with Jesus at the well. And this woman was faithful to go back and share. She was not ashamed. She was not ashamed to go back and tell the town, I've met a guy 
who I believe is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. And the irony here is that the Samaritans that the Jews had discredited as not true believers are the ones that have revival and change and belief and true worship of God, whereas the religious Jews still rejected him. The religious Jews still rejected him. We need to be careful that we don't become like the Pharisees, that we're a special club for special people and no one else is invited in, that you have to have a list of things on your resume to be part of our team. We have to recognize that God calls some of the most outcast of people, some of the people that are on the furthest fringe, he calls them to be his children, and we're to invite them in as our family and to walk alongside them and to love them and care for them. And so today as we consider that, that purpose that God has put us here, who is the one in your life? Who has God put in your life to reach? In this time where we are going to be interacting with strangers, probably there's an openness to talk to strangers this week more than usual. What opportunities will God give us? What opportunities will he give you to share his truth with them? How do we apply this to our life? First, I would say pray about who that one is. If you can't think of one person in your life that's a non-believer, pray that God will put someone in your life that's a non-believer that you can share the gospel with. The greatest investment of your life is to share the gospel. The greatest thing you can do with your life is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second, I would say ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. In the beginning of the day, ask him to lead you. Lead you to the people that, that he wants you to reach with his gospel. That he would lead your, your tongue so you would say the words that he wants you to say. That he would lead your actions so you would act in a way that would validate the words you're saying. And so all of these things are important. And it's not about you or who you are or anything. It's about him. And the more he is in control, the more he is leading, the greater the witness and testimony you will be. And then finally, let's do our best to follow Jesus' example. I don't think it's by chance that John, who's very close to Jesus, records this account of the meeting with the Samaritan woman. I don't think these details are here by chance or just circumstance. I think this is intentionally given to us so we can learn as believers on how we're to share our faith with unbelievers. And so these things that God has revealed, Jesus has revealed by his example, are things we need to apply. Let's be open to the Spirit leading us. Let's value people and help them to understand that we value them. Let's not argue with them or try to debate with them. Let's always tell the bigger picture. Let's always try to share the greater news. The greatest news is that Jesus died for them. And then let's give them an opportunity to receive that gift. Let's give them an opportunity to receive Christ as their Savior. Let's be on the lookout for opportunities to share, not knowing how God will use that person in the future, not knowing what God will do. So what is God saying to you today? How is he challenging you? How is he growing us? A year from now, if Jesus doesn't return, who will we be willing to share Jesus with? Who will we scatter the seed of the gospel into their heart?